You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show, guys. This is Nikayla here with episode 52 of Side Hustle Pro. This episode wraps up our theme for the month, which is how to create, sell, and market your physical products. Today on the show, we have a woman whose hustle really inspires me. Her name is Daniqua Williams, and she is the creator of Lit Brooklyn. Lit Brooklyn is a handmade candle company based in New York City. Each candle is hand-poured, packaged, and shipped from Brooklyn. Now, Lit Brooklyn is still a young company, but it seems like for the past year, every event I was at, Zaniqua was at. (laughs) Not only that, but she would make sure that her candles were in the hands of guests attending that event. Lo and behold, people would go home, use the product, And before you know it, they were tweeting, Instagramming, snapping, and talking about this amazing candle. So what better way to round out the theme of how to create, sell, and market your physical products than to learn from a true hustler? She is an entrepreneur who is learning on the go, making it work, and pushing through real-life personal challenges to make it by any means necessary. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Hey, Daniqua, welcome to the Side Hustle Pro guest chair. Hi, Nikayla. How are you? I'm doing well. So as you know, this month we're talking about how to create, sell and market your physical products. And I just had to have you in the guest chair to share how you are growing the Lit Brooklyn brand because I see it everywhere. It is in my bathroom as we speak. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did your upbringing influence your entrepreneurial fire? Sure. So I make it a thing to always bring up the fact that I'm a proud daughter of immigrants. So both of my parents, they migrated from a country in South America called Guyana. So I'm basically raised in a Guyanese household. My mom worked in a lawyer's office for a little bit and currently works for transit. My father had a very successful business for the past 30 years before he passed away last July. My maternal grandmother was a seamstress for her entire life. So I kind of think that seeing hard work firsthand up close, it, I guess, molded my business mindset in a sense. Seeing it firsthand definitely did help out a lot. You got to see what sacrifice looks like. You get to see what long hours look like. And you also get to see what the rewards of those sacrifices look like. So were you creative and interested in starting a business or did you pursue a different career path at first? I would say that I was always interested in a business. I actually had a few businesses when I was a child. I had a printing company with one of my older cousins. It was called DNT Printing. Basically, I don't know if you remember, there was this disc. It was called Create a Card. And you could like pop it into your computer and you could create your own greeting cards, your own business cards. So that's basically what I did. And I was selling it around like holiday time to the people in my apartment building at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, those are like your first real customers. They uh, support you with anything that you're doing. They're like, oh, how much are your greeting cards? Let me help you out. So that was one business that I had. And then I remember like about two or three summers, 
my sister Gabrielle and I, we would sell like hamburgers and cheeseburgers and water balloons for like five cents by my dad's house. So I think I kind of always loved the idea of business. And yeah, I think it was always in me, honestly. Why am I not surprised that you had your own business? It's a common theme on this show where people like had some hustle growing up. I don't know what I was doing growing up, but I did not try to sell anything to anybody. So no, not at all. I was like in my room drawing and reading probably. (laughs) But what did you end up studying in school and what were you working as? Because I know you didn't start Lit Brooklyn right away. No. Okay. So I went away to school upstate New York. So I started at a community college, Hudson Valley. And then I got my associates in liberal arts. And then I transferred to the University of Albany and I got my bachelor's in Africana studies and I minored in English. Then I moved back home. So before I even started like Lit Brooklyn, I actually worked at a French boutique in Soho. I don't know if you're familiar with New York City, but Soho is like, you know, downtown area. Oh, yeah. I grew up in New York. (laughs) Cool. So, yes, I was working at this French boutique in Soho and I worked there for about a year and a half. I was a sales associate and then I got promoted pretty quickly to a supervisor. And then I became my last standing position. There was an assistant manager. While working there, I was able to make the company a million dollars in 10 months. Get out. I swear. I I swear. (laughs) I made a million dollars in 10 months. And I was also the number one employee in North America. I ended up leaving. So September actually makes three years since I formally worked for anyone. So I ended up leaving the company just because I felt like me personally, I always feel like I need to be challenged and At that point, I felt like I had mastered the business and it was no longer an opportunity for growth for me because I had already learned so much. So the next best thing for me to do, I think, was to leap out on my own and just, you know, take all of the skills that I acquired from working there and put it into my own thing. And hence, Lit Brooklyn. (laughs) Well, all right. So tell us about the origin of Lit Brooklyn. What inspired you to start a candle business? So I've always, always, always loved candles for as long as I can remember. I remember lighting candles in my room and my mom would be like, are you doing some sort of like spiritual practice? <laughs> so I remember getting in trouble for like literally lighting candles um, in my room. But I just always loved how having a candle lit in your home or any room for that matter can literally transform the ambiance. And to me, that was just magical. So I just kind of had this idea one day and I was like, why not, you know, just why why not do it? Why not create my own candles? I love it so much. Why not make something my own? That's the art. Now, you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And I'm always interested to know when you decided to leap, did you say, oh, this is going to be easy? Like, I'm, I'm going to make candles, sell them, boom, I'll be able to live. Nah, like, <laughs> <laughs> being completely realistic here, I, like I said, I was very fortunate to have a father who had a business. So I knew that that is not how it worked. Like, I knew that people could love your product. And, you know, when you put out a new product, people are always going to support you at first, right? Yep, but then yep. you have to build trust with people. And the easiest people to sell to are people who actually know you because they genuinely want to support you, right? The hardest part is convincing a complete stranger as to why should they spend their hard-earned money on your product that you created. So I will not ever say that starting a business, not even just a candle business, but a business in general is easy because it takes a lot of trial and error. It takes a lot of figuring out what your market is. If there is even a market for what you're trying to do, 
yeah, starting a business, especially a new one, is never, ever easy. So you decided to do this. Had you already left your job at this point or the idea came while you had a job and then you left? No, the idea came, I want to say, like maybe a year after I had left. And that's another thing, too. When I had left my job, my parents were like, not so much my dad, I would say, but my mom was like, girl, <laughs> girl, like, right, like, how are you eating? Right. Exactly. That's exactly what my mom was worried about. I wouldn't say she didn't necessarily believe in me, but I think that she just had to make sure that I was making the right decision. Right. And I feel like one thing I would say my parents always did was trust that I made the right decisions for myself, even as far as me going away to school. I literally went away at school. I went away upstate one day. And the day before I moved, I told my mom and my dad, like, okay, so I found housing <laughs> away to school. So I think that my mom knew I was going to be successful in anything that I wanted to do. And so did my dad. But it was just a matter of, you know, parents, they always are like, are you sure? You know, because it's kind of difficult not having a regular income coming in every week or every two weeks. So it's like they just wanted to make sure that I was good. So what were your next steps now? How do you even make a candle? And how did you figure out this whole manufacture and shipping thing? Okay, so I would say research. Um, that is anything that you want to become excellent at. I say excellent because I don't believe in just being good or great. Like, I feel like I always say this. My parents work too hard for me to be anything but excellent. So I knew that if I wanted to make a product that is stellar, I had to do my research. So that mean, that meant figuring out what the fragrance to wax ratio was, what's the correct size of the wick to use for the circumference of the jar that I'm going to have the candles in. And uh, trial and error. Trial and error played a huge part and also knowing what kind of candle company that I wanted. I knew I wanted to create a product that was eco-friendly, something that no one would have an issue with burning in their homes, whether you were a pregnant woman, whether you had someone elderly who was sick a new baby, a pet. Like I just knew that I wanted to create a product that was exceptional. So I just had to do my research. I would say that. And speaking of research, I really love the simplicity of your packaging and design. It's so elegant. As a matter of fact, my wedding colors are gold and black. And I was like, can I work this in somehow? That's <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> right. so what was your approach to developing your brand's look and feel? So if we're being completely honest, my brand, the candles didn't start out looking as chic as they do. Mm -hmm. I actually had amber colored jars at first. And now looking back on it, I can say that it was ugly. The packaging was ugly. Everything about it was ugly. But <laughs> one thing that was the same from the very beginning to now was that the quality of the product remained the same. So I knew I wanted to create something that would look really good on a shelf in like one of my favorite stores or even as part of someone's home decor. It was also very important to me to create a luxury product that people would be proud to own. You know, like you didn't just want to like purchase a candle just to say you're supporting it. You wanted to be like, look what I bought or you'd be proud to gift it to somebody. So that was the main thing in me developing my brand as far as the look and the feel. I, was, I wanted people to feel as good about the product as I did when they looked at it or when it was in there. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. You know, we often forget that our favorite brands that look so chic now didn't start out that way. I remember ordering certain hair brands back in the day and nowadays they're like, boom, bam. Um, but it used to be like a label that you could get from like Staples. So when did you know it was time to upgrade? Like you're still, you know, a new entrepreneur and you've gone through a rebrand. Like what was that based on customer feedback? It was based on my personal feelings. Like, I think that 
I liked my product, but I didn't love it. And I felt like if I wanted clients, people who spend their money on something to believe in what I'm doing, I have to wholeheartedly love it. And that's what I did. Like, I literally, I remember posting on Instagram, hey, we had a facelift. That <laughs> <laughs> was like so amazing. And then on top of that, along with the facelift, I was able to lessen the price of my candles and people love that too. So the jar that I had before because of the weight, when it had to be shipped and all that other stuff that played into the factor of how I had to price the candles if I wanted to see some sort of profit. So now I can rebrand the look of my candles, give people a luxury item for an affordable price, and it looks good. So it was kind of like a win-win on that end. Ah, now what were some of the other first steps you took to take Lit Brooklyn from just an idea to a real business? I would say the first step was actually putting it out there. To me, networking is very important. I love all these events that are happening, but what I hate to see is people going to these networking events and not networking or going to networking events with their friends. I literally go to events, went to events, and actually connect. It was very important for me to create relationships with people. Following up was also very important to me. I would also say some of the first steps in taking lit from an idea to a business was not being afraid to ask for help. Like I mentioned earlier, like my dad had a great business and I used to ask him a lot for advice at the time. So being that he had the business for 30 years, he was able to exist and to thrive before social media. And that was important to me because I feel like right now in the day and age that we are in, social media is a huge chunk, a huge part of you know, right. people's success as far as brands go. So to be able to get advice from someone who, first of all, didn't even know what Instagram was, <laughs> did not <laughs> did not know how to send a tweet, who didn't even have a website, right? That was important to me to figure out, how, what are you doing to thrive? What are you doing to succeed in this market, especially when you have competitors who are younger than you, who are quicker than you, who have access to these platforms. And some advice that he gave me that sticks with me to this very day is to basically build trust with people. That's very important to go above and beyond for your customers and your clientele, to be memorable and to be a person of your word. Like once you have those things and those are core things, those are values, those are qualities that anyone would, you know, anyone would come back to shop with you if they feel like they can't trust you. Right. And speaking of this audience now, how did you know who your target audience was? Like a lot of people like candles, a lot of people like sleek, really sophisticated looking packaging. How did you start identifying that and then attracting this audience and building brand awareness? So a lot of it was, like I said, before I left my job, I was very hands-on in every aspect of it, right? So they also sold candles. And I realized, I saw that there was... there. With candles, I feel like there is no target audience, right? I feel like a teenager could enjoy them. A woman in her mid-30s can enjoy them. An elderly woman could enjoy them. So just seeing the reaction that the candles were getting from different people, I think that's how I was able to own in on it and just make it relatable straight across the board. Like it's not something that is just for a particular type of person. And it's all about inclusivity too, because people want to, it's an exclusive brand, so to say, but it's very inclusive in the same respect. Got it. Now, building on that, I feel like early in its existence, because what are you now? Almost two years old? The brand is almost two years old, right? Yeah, in December, I'll be two. Yeah, so it's still pretty early. And I've seen that Lit Brooklyn has had some major exposure opportunities. So talk a little bit about that. 
what were some of your first steps to start to build those partnerships and gain those exposure opportunities? I would say researching and looking to see what was happening and what can I be a part of and how can I, you know, get my brand out there. That was very, very important to me. One thing that stood out to me with my business was back in April last year, I reached out to Essence. I don't know if you, well, you probably obviously remember Essence had a beauty box that they were doing. They don't do it anymore, but they had a beauty box. I was like, I need to get an Essence beauty box. How is this going to happen? So me, my model last year was Shoot Your Shot 2016. (laughs) If you don't ask or if you don't put yourself out there, how are people going to know? So I literally found their email to submit products and I put together like this PDF form, basically telling them about the brand, the different scents that I had. And when I did that in about 24 hours, this woman, Danielle, she reached back out to me. She was like, oh my God, we absolutely love your product. Can you drop it off to our office? I was like, "Um, yeah, (laughs) of course. One, I was like super excited because one, you know, not that I didn't expect them to respond, but one, I didn't expect them to respond as quickly as they did. And then for you to want me to drop it off. So then next day I went to the office and I dropped off all of the scents that I had. And she emailed me back within a week and she was like, we, we, need, we want you in the box. Like this just, this has to happen. Like we need you in the box. This is like, we love your packaging. We love everything that you represent and we just want you. So we picked a month and the month we picked was August, I believe. So with any subscription box, they need your product at least like 60 days before. So the amount that they needed was like a ridiculous amount, but With me, like I said, I just, I don't think anything is impossible. And I was just like, they need it. I'm going to make it happen. So I'm talking to my dad and he's like, you know what? I think you should do it. Like, this is what you set out to do. And I I always said to myself that with that year of business, I made this vow to myself that in this year of business, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my brand to whatever heights that it needs to go to. So that means that I have to be at a pop-up every two weeks, or if I have to fly out to this place, I'm going to do it because I need to have my brand as visible as possible. So unfortunately, my dad ended up getting sick in June of last year. So as soon as like I found out that he was ill, I reached out to Danielle and I just let her know that, you know, production is going to have to like be on hold for a little bit. She was like, you know what? Of course, family is first. My dad ended up passing away two weeks. He was in the hospital for 15 days. And at that point, this is my first. I've not, I've, I still have my mom, so I'd never lost a parent. So this was brand new to me. So I... So sorry. Thank you. Um, I'm still trying to like, I guess... Process it. Process it. Because it's like, it's difficult because I feel like, like my dad did when it came to certain things, I bury myself in work (laughs) in a sense. But um, so yeah, so my dad, I had to deal with um, my dad passing. And at that point, I was like, is this something that I even want to do anymore? You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like nobody expects death is something that's very unexpected. And then you just don't even know how to maneuver. or You don't even know how you're going to, you know, keep going after this. Um, but I want to say about three weeks after my dad's funeral, Essence just sent out like a general email saying that they're no longer, they're discontinuing the box. So I was like, in one hand, I was like relieved that I didn't have to like think about processing all these orders or processing all these candles. But then on the other hand, I was like, damn, like this would have been so good to be a part of the Essence Beauty Box, you know? Luck would have it that they had their Essence Beauty Fest, the Essence Festival that was coming up. You know, they do it once a year in Dumbo. Right, right. 
I had found out about that on Instagram and the deadline had already passed, like three days. It had already passed. I was like, oh my God, I had to go downtown, get like a vendor ID, all the stuff to submit for the application. I ended up submitting it three days after the deadline. <laughs> I didn't get a response, obviously, because who do I think I <laughs> giving an application three days after a deadline? So this is now me sending them an email on Tuesday. Hi, hello, how are you? I sent you guys an email. You didn't respond yet? No response. So I was like, what am I going to do? I remember Danielle from Essence. I was like, I'm not going to email her. I'm going to call her. I called her and I was like, hey, Danielle, this is Daniqua. I forgot to tell her I was from Brooklyn at the time. But I was like, this is Daniqua. And I know you guys are having a festival on Saturday. And I just submitted the application. Blah, 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 blah. She said, can you send me an email with everything that you just said? So I basically followed up an email with the thread that we were talking about from the Essence Beauty Box. She put okay. two and two together, remembered who I was and was like, girl, I got you. Within 30 minutes, the event producer of Essence Festival hit me up and they were like, somebody just dropped out this morning and the spot is yours if you want it. I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> so I basically, Thursday I got the news and I basically had a day and a half to make all these candles for Essence Fest. But I was just like, it was so worth it at the end of the day. And that was such a great opportunity because, you know, with any festival, any pop-up that you do, you're going to get exposure. It's Essence. Right. You know, they're going to speak about you on their platform. There's so many bloggers. There's so many different people out here. So yeah, that's basically some of the steps that I took as far as marketing and building awareness Mm-hmm. You know, you just reminded me that I was talking to someone and your name came up and, you know, they were just mentioning that they just love your brand and you and that person were talking and then they were like, hey, do you want to be in, you know, this thing? And you were like, what? And they were like, done. Like, I know the person who owns it. You know, I, I know that was mad vague, but <laughs> I don't know if it happened yet. It's kind of right, <laughs> right. Okay, I, I, I know. I was googling and I didn't see if it happened yet. So sorry, guys. You'll see it when it happens. Right. But um, <laughs> I, I was like, just the power of networking and sharing what you do, and you never know when the universe will conspire to make everything work in your favor. I will say this though: the universe conspires to make everything work in your favor when you're ready. I will because mm. I like. So many people, they want instant gratification. They want things to happen. But I will tell you this much, Nikayla, had everything that has happened within the last stretch of last year happened when the business first started, I wouldn't have appreciated it. Mm. All the hard work that went into it, all the effort, I wouldn't have... It feels so good to know that literally every candle that's been sold, I literally hand poured it. That is like such a rewarding feeling to know that I'm in like my candles are in so many different homes. People Mm -hmm. are turning clients. People speak so highly of my brand. People want to partner with me. People want to work with me. I think that that just, it, it's you like, you're right. The, the universe is great, man. The universe is amazing. (laughs) Right. And I remember I first tried your candle because I was at a conference, Rise Empowerment Conference. I feel like I mentioned this conference like every episode. (laughs) So... And I remember just going over thinking, oh, let me let me be nice and smell these girls' candles. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and ended up purchasing. And I'm that person that like really tries to be responsible. So not just like going to events and buying up everything. But I was like, I'm purchasing this. So 
Speaking of that now and going into as much detail or as little detail as you feel comfortable with, have you started to reap profit from the business? And if so, when did you start to see those rewards and everything from the business? So I will say this, like I mentioned earlier, the first year of business to me was all about being everywhere, doing everything for the most part. And I didn't probably start seeing profit until the ending of my first year. I had spent so much money on visibility. And I think like with any business, it's all about trial and error, right? And you have to know what's good for you. You have to know what works. But that, like I said, that's a deal that I personally made with myself, that I would do whatever it took for a year to make sure people are talking about lit. And that was an investment that has been so rewarding because I feel like everywhere I, every, every time I speak to someone, they're like, oh my God, I saw it here. I saw it here. So the money that I spent to make sure that people are speaking about my brand, it was well worth it. And I am happy to say that I am reaping profit from my business now. Woohoo. Congratulations. I also feel like with no risk, there's no reward. And I feel like also, too, a lot of it was upfront investment at first. And I think you want something bad enough, you have to spend money to make money. And that's just how I that's just how I feel like the nature of the game goes. With all that upfront investment and being an entrepreneur, were you doing other things to supplement? I was saving my money from my job that I worked at the French boutique. I was saving money just because I, I, you know, when you kind of just feel like you're not going to be at a place very long and you have to have like security money. Yes. (laughs) I literally bet on myself. And to me, there was no way that I was not going to succeed because I was like, I spent my savings. Like I had to reap some sort of rewards because I didn't see no other way. Like it was only up from there. So I... I don't regret any of it, honestly. I think that that was the best thing that I could do. And if it's anyone that I'm willing to bet on, it's myself. So I love that. I love that quote. That's my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) Beyonce fans. (laughs) So what was the most challenging part of starting Lit Brooklyn? I mean, obviously, I know with your father passing, that was a huge I mean, I can't believe that I didn't know that. And, And just how you've been able to keep going. I have such admiration for you. What other challenges did you face that you want to share for other people thinking of starting the same thing? I think starting is the probably the most challenging part. Trying to figure out what your lane is and creating a lane for yourself. So there's so many brands out there, right? So I'll use the analogy of like, there's so many authors, right? There's so many books out there, so many self-help books out there. But what about your book is going to make it different. And I think that when you're starting anything new, you have to own it and you have to figure out what works for you and staying true to yourself. So I would say that the starting up of Lit Brooklyn was the most challenging and just figuring out where I fit in as far as the candle business went. And then what about what's been the best part of starting Lit Brooklyn? I would say the connecting with people. Like I feel like I get emails, comments, DMs almost every day with people who have who have my candles. And I think that that is priceless at that point, that it's most it's so rewarding, I feel. And I just love connecting with people. I think the best part about having my business is doing pop ups because I get to actually meet the people who, you know, I I like sharing stories. I like speaking to you. I like finding out more about you. I want to know what your dreams and aspirations are. Like, I think the connection is the most important part to me. It's also what we're missing, I feel like, as far as this world. People don't connect anymore. People don't take the time to follow up or to know. I actually, earlier this 
was it this year or maybe last year, I went to breakfast with one of my clients. This is like the oddest thing ever, but like we went out to breakfast and we had coffee and we sat for hours just speaking. And, you know, like I love stuff like that. Like I, I'm meeting so many different people. So this is like the most rewarding job ever that I've ever had. <laughs> and speaking of going out with your client or going out to breakfast, I've seen lit in the hands of some celebrities or pseudo celebrities. <laughs> did you do anything intentional to get it in certain people's hands or did that just happen organically? Um, I want to say it happened organically, but I will say this. I put myself in the position to make sure that I met these people or that I exchanged some sort of communication with them. I think that that's super important. So if I saw someone was speaking at an event, I was going to be there. You know, that's just something that I just had to do because once again, no risk, no reward. Actually, what's so funny is that for Rise Empowerment, so I had saw that they were advertising and someone had reached out to me from Rise Empowerment to be a part of the vendor. But I was like, dang, that's in D.C. I don't know if I want to drive to D.C. <laughs> what made me go to D.C. was I saw that they announced that my leak, I, you know, my leak, um, right. she was going to be a speaker. So I was like, nah, I got to go. Like, <laughs> I have got to go to D.C. So my boyfriend's mom was like, if you down to go, I'll drive with you. So we ended up driving to D.C. And that's why I would say that it, it was intentional, but it also happened organically because she literally, she spoke and then you saw how it was set up. Like you had to come back out to your vendor table. Yep. I came back out to my vendor table. She came, she looked at everyone's vendor table and she was like, I've seen these candles somewhere. Someone actually gifted them to me. She smelled them. She purchased them. And she Instagrammed and she tweeted. And I was just like, that's crazy. And I think that whenever opportunity presents itself, you have to just be yourself. And I think that that's what attracts people to you. Because at the end of the day, these celebrities, these pseudo celebrities, they're just regular people. But what they are attracted to is people who are genuine, people who are themselves, people who aren't trying to portray anything else. That's what I would say attracted most of my relationships that I have with these celebrities. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing in terms of like, you know, I see people I want to meet and I continue to just keep a pulse on what they're up to. And when opportunity, when they're going to be in an event, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to be at that event too. <laughs> That's what you have to do. And it's That's what you have to do. Investing in yourself. And when you have a business, you have a brand, like everyone wants to grow, everyone wants to flourish and a lot of the thing too is creating a quality product. Like you also have to keep in mind, like a lot of these people, they have influence, right? And you're not going to promote or put out a brand that you yourself don't trust. So it's also about opportunity. Yes. But I feel like whatever you're delivering, it has to be quality. So Absolutely. That's such a good point to raise too. Like a lot of people, we want exposure. Even you had to rebrand and, and like go back to the drawing board and start over. So like make sure your product is where you want it to be before you're like, you know, pitching it and exactly. <laughs> putting it in boxes and things like that. Seriously. No, that's that's super, super, super important. You have to have your stuff together. That's all I got to say is that mm -hmm. there's so many people with great brands and presentation is key. You have to look at longevity, too. Like, is this something that you just want to put out or did you give it enough thought or is it just something you just want to rush and put it? Anything that's meant to be, you don't have to rush it. You don't have to rush greatness. It will genuinely come. You're not missing anything like take no. time and develop your brand. It's super important. So how are you continuing to grow your brand and what do you think are next steps? Hmm. 
I I have a sticky note in my workspace that says outwork everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So love it. Once again, I feel like there are so many people trying to do similar things and that's cool. And that's actually normal. You know, it's normal for people to do similar things that are happening. But the difference is that this is not trendy for me. This is not a trend. This is not something that I'm just doing to pass time. This is something that I genuinely love. I'm passionate about it and people can sense authenticity. So as far as growing my brand, I'm just staying true to myself. And when you stay true to yourself and you're authentic, your brand is going to grow. It is going to flourish. And I also believe in partnering with other brands and having us grow together and flourish together. Recently, I had a fundraiser with Spiked Spin. So one of my friends, Brianna, she has this spin class that is doing, she just turned one also, it's doing exceptionally well. And I went to her spin class a few times and I was like, I would love to figure out a way to bring awareness to your brand, my brand, and also find a way to give back, right? Because I feel like that's what having a business is all about too. It's great to make money, but you also have to give back in some sense. So we had this idea of doing this spin for a cause, found this amazing, amazing, dope nonprofit called Petals and Bells. It basically helps young girls figure out what they want to do in life. And that just resonated with me. So as far as growing my brand, like I love to work with brands that that get it. You know, I, I love to work with brands of people who naturally work hard, who remind me of myself and who also inspire me to be greater and to be better. So that's what I would love. It. OK, so now we're going to transition to the lightning round. Basically, you answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. All righty. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? A resource that has helped me, I would say my network of people that I keep around me. There are people who I trust. There are people in my circle who are hard workers. And I think it's very important to build a solid team around you. That's what Mm. I would say. Good one. What's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? I consume this year. I'm going to go with podcast. I actually love, 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 love Side Hustle Pro. Have you heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) I love your podcast. I also love my leaks, my taught you podcast. Of course. Yes. Uh, What motivates you? My parents. My parents. Same here. Now, what is a daily practice that you use to start your day on the right note? and increase your productivity throughout the day? I think prayer is definitely one. I start my day with prayer. That's super, super important. As soon as I wake up, that determines the way that my day is going to go. I, like I said before, I have sticky notes everywhere of just like positive, positive affirmations. And I schedule everything. Super important to schedule everything. Yep. Amen. Um, And finally, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? I would say, hmm, I would say to remain grateful and humble. Gratitude is huge for me. My friends always tease me. They're like, you celebrate everything. I'm like, yup, I sure do. I celebrate everything from a candle sale to someone who has featured me because I think that those are all reminders that my dreams are reality. 
I would say one of my really good friends, Gia Pepper, she always says God is my agent. And that literally has like stuck with me because it's super true. You can't pray and you can't worry, right? So Mm -hmm. if you want to step out on faith in something that you believe in, you got to trust that God is going to make it happen. It's not going to be easy, right? He never said it was going to be easy. He said it's going to happen, but you just got to put the work in. I would also say to be patient. Patience is huge because once you practice patience, the rewards in the end, is it's so worth it. It's so, so worth it. I would also say to be yourself. I think the reason for the success of Lit is because I wasn't replicating another brand. I feel like I stayed in my own lane. I feel like I'm... I do best at doing me, right? Nobody else could do Zaniqua like Zaniqua can do Zaniqua. <laughs> and I'm focusing on me. I'm just focusing on my own stuff. So I feel like take away all the noise. Sometimes you have to separate yourself from friends, family members. I feel like there's a quote that I love. Um, Elevation requires separation. So you got to separate yourself from the noise in the background, whatever is stopping you from taking that leap. Because whether we want to say it or not, A lot of us, we don't take the leap of faith because of something that someone has said, our own insecurities. We have fear of not doing well, but how would we know that we're going to succeed or do well if we don't even take the chance, take the leap? Like like I said, I went into this with Lit. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, honestly. Um, My first year at Lit was out of my wildest dreams. Like I literally just wanted to make a name for myself and it has, like, I, I just blow my, blew, blew my own socks off, right? I already had expectations of how I wanted it to be, but you had to take the first step. And I just think, bet on yourself. You, you, you are the only one who can bet on yourself and you know what you're capable of doing. So anyone who's scared to take the leap, that's because you either know that you're not going to put the work in or, I don't know, I just say, go for it. You never know till you try. Thank you for that. Thank you for that sermon on it. I think that... <laughs> We needed each and every one of those reminders. So thank you. Right, right. (laughs) I hope y'all took notes. Okay, so what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? The best way you can connect with me is um, social media. So on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, can find me at Lit Brooklyn. That is L-I-T-B-K-L-Y-N. And if you want to stalk me on my personal page, D-Will, D-W-I-L. Awesome. And the website is just Lit Brooklyn, the full the full name or the B-K? It is L-I-T-B-K-L-Y-N dot C-O. Alrighty, guys. So there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the side hustle pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe rate and review on iTunes. Thanks guys. Talk to you next week.